Hello, and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry, and we shall be concluding season one with a real gem, the wonderful 1993 film Groundhog Day. So please sit back and enjoy the next 20-odd minutes of episode 10. Directed and written by Harold Ramis, an original story from a guy called David Rubin and starring Bill Murray, Andy McDowell, and Chris Elliott. I'm ending season one of this film because it really holds a special place in my sort of memory archives for me. I remember watching this movie on cable or Sky, and I never really caught the end of it because I always caught it halfway through or just at the wrong part, and I never really watched the whole movie. And that was back when you couldn't pause or rewind or choose to stream something. It was always on live, so I had to catch it at the right time. I just got my timings wrong with this movie. And I was a little curious, so I watched the adverts, or I looked uh, the trailer up, and it, it didn't really do any justice for me. I mean, it, it seemed really light-hearted, and it was a comedy. And for me, comedies are, you know, always hit and miss for me. It wasn't my um, favourite genre, so I wasn't immediately kind of bothered about seeing it. I was more interested in seeing R-rated movies, because I was meant to, you know, I, was meant to, I wasn't meant to watch it, so it sort of provoked me to watch it even more. And uh, Groundhog Day was usually just in the background for me when I was at home or when I just got back from school. And um, I was usually studying and my dad would watch the film all the time and he'd love it. And I could I could tell he really liked it. And I could catch a glimpse of the movie now and again. But, you know, if I was going to actively seek out a film in the comedy genre, it would be that of Jim Carrey at the time. And Jim Carrey was killing it in the early 90s, wasn't he? He became the highest paid actor for an upfront salary of, uh, was it 20 million? And that was for Cable Guy in 1996. And and that's because his films before that, before 1996, were slaughtering the box office. He just came off doing The Mask, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, and they were all fantastic and they were hilarious. So my sort of attention was with him, you know, in terms of comedy. And bear in mind, Groundhog was way out before any of these films were out, which is why it was sat pretty on cable channels all the time. Anyways, as time went on, um, Blockbuster was actually really big at the time in the early 90s and Groundhog Day was one of the leading films on the charts for most rented movies and so I decided to rent it when I was like 15 and I watched it, even though it was on cable but I didn't care much for adverts on cable and because of school I was always missing parts of it so I was like okay, I'm going to rent this movie and I made an investment, I used my pocket money and so I knew in my head I had to watch it and I think even with Blockbuster you had to bring it back within a week so I had a time limit as well so it really provoked me to watch the movie if I put my own money and time into it. So I watched it and it really freaked me out the film, this concept that you can live the same day every day over and over again and when the film ended it stayed with me, it was funny yes, it was a comedy genre, I get that but the concept, the idea was just mad. I was like, wow, this is a sci-fi movie. And although the movie is actually quite ambiguous about why he is reliving the day over and over again, in fact, there's no reason why it's happening. It's just happening. And I'll get to that later. But it was nice and refreshing that it sticks with just staying with this guy going through these comical ordeals on the day he keeps reliving. And rel- and you can relate to it because the stuff he does in a film, most people do as well. And they got the cast and spot on with Bill Murray. I'll talk about Bill Murray a little bit later on, but um, let me explain uh, what this movie's about. I mean, in a nutshell, this movie is about a weatherman who who relives the same day over and over and over again, and he doesn't know why. It's not really important. What's important is his journey of himself. What he does every day, that's different, given it's the same day, and that's sort of the message. I'll elaborate a bit more on the plot of this movie, but for those who haven't seen it, um, so like I said, it tells the story of a weatherman, Phil Connors, who goes to Puxatoni to cover this groundhog celebration, which is where the uh, the main you know the main groundhog celebrations are? 
He checks into a hotel ready for the coverage and the festivals for Groundhog Day. However, he's a bit of an asshole, and he thinks he's kind of a celebrity and he doesn't want to be there. He thinks he's better than all the people there. These are small town people, and he just generally wants to be in his comfort zone. You know, he wants to do his coverage, go to his bed and breakfast, and get out of there. So. <laughs> He goes with his new producer, Rita, played by Andy McDowell and the cameraman, Chris Elliott. They wake up on Groundhog Day and they do the story. After the coverage, the town have these traditions and celebrations, but Phil doesn't want to even interact with anyone. So he just retires early, goes to his B&B and goes to sleep. However, the next day, what he thinks is the next day, he wakes up and it's Groundhog Day all over again and then again. And he keeps reliving that same day over and over again with only him with the memory of this happening. Now, it's very hard for a film to sort of introduce a style of storytelling in the way Groundhog does it. If you look at all the times a film has told a story of a time loop, you'll find that in Hollywood, Groundhog Day was actually one of the first films to do it, which is a quite a statement. I think there are a few anime films, maybe even a Japanese film they did for 10 years prior, but it wasn't really well distributed. But Groundhog Day was probably the first in Western culture to introduce this style. Of course, others followed with different genres like Source Code, Run Lola Run, Edge of Tomorrow, Happy Death Day, that had a sequel, and even the last scene of Doctor Strange. And speaking of genre, this is why this film is monumental. I think it's actually in the the Library of Congress now. It's an historic film for me. And what makes this different is because of its genre. It's a comedy. Most classics don't really fall into the genre of comedy or this subgenre. That's why I think it's a big movie. Comedies aren't usually classified or considered classics, but if they are, it's because they are the first to do something. And that's why I think Breakfast Club is considered a classic, because it introduced that teen high school genre. I mean, the film was done for the whole basic to make people laugh, and that's what was um, that's what, what Harold Ramis intended to do. He was extremely clever of how he filmed it, and he did so expertly. Like, if you watch the film, you'll notice that all the clocks have stopped to mirror Phil's pr- uh, predicament. You'll see the boy at the start of a broken leg who eventually you see is fine because Phil saves him later on in a movie from a tree. And I think the style of doing a movie by doing the same scenes over and over again is just extraordinary. And, I, and, and what's better is we, as the audience, you know, we sort of follow Phil into this, um, you know, he's trying to... We've, we've, we, we're there with Phil because Phil's trying to escape this time loop. And what's funny, it's on the worst day for him. And we've established this at the start. He hates Groundhog Day. He doesn't want to be there. He's not looking forward to the day. And now he's there forever and ever, living it day by day. I mean, does that sound kind of familiar to you? Living the same day every day? What is insane about this is people use the term groundhog as a term now. It's an official term, even in the military, for just reliving or doing the same thing every day. This film has essentially taken the actual holiday of the same name and given it new light. This is a holiday dating back to 1888, and a film made in 1993 has ultimately taken the name over and given a whole new significance to this holiday. You couldn't really do that with any other holiday. It's taken over the thunder of this holiday. If anything, it's made the holiday more popular. Now, tradition has it on Groundhog Day, you make sock puppets of your family and other traditions are now that resonates things that happen in the movie, like you have a big Phil breakfast or you watch the film over and over again. So the original holiday has now incorporated new traditions in line with the movie. Now, for those who don't know what Groundhog Day is, it's it's an American tradition slash celebration where it features this um, a groundhog, which is this like rodent. And it acts as a meteorologist. Now, it was first celebrated in 1887, not 88, close enough. And it's at Gobbler's Knob at Poxitani in Pennsylvania, where the, um, where the movie's based. But it's not actually filmed. I think it's in Illinois. Anyway, uh, tradition has it, if the groundhog comes out of its hole on its day, 
and the days being February 2nd, by the way, Groundhog is on February 2nd, and it sees its shadow, it gets scared and runs back into the burrow, which means it predicts six more weeks of winter. If it sees no shadow, it means you have an early spring. And that's basically the whole idea of Groundhog Day. And for us Brits or Europeans, a groundhog, I mean, you can Google it, it's like a big hedgehog without the spikes, or a big rat, as Phil puts it. It's part of the Skrill family, in, in fact, I think. I think I looked that up. But yeah, actually bit uh, Bill Murray on set. Actually, um, he had to get like a rabies shot on set. I read about that. But look, the film is told in a comfortable way, and it's very hard not to smile during the movie because the town of Puxatomi is so charming. It's easy to fall in love with. It's welcoming, and, and the story is just told in such a pure and positive way. The only negative thing about it is the main lead, Phil, who starts out by being a bit of an arsehole. And I think Bill Murray was sort of typecast as playing this arsehole character. When I heard, when I heard, he, when I heard he was doing this kind of film, I was like, oh, really? He's doing it again? But the journey you go through with him is beautiful, and it's by far his best film. Well... Maybe close of Lost in Translation, but I was so happy to finish this film when I watched it and see a new side to Bill Murray in terms of performance. I mean, he did Scrooge the next year, so he was kind of, you know, the typecast followed him around for a while, but he does demonstrate what a great actor he is in this film. In fact, I was saying to my friends, if anyone could sort of play Tony Stark, I know Robert Downey Jr. is like perfect for the role and everything, but if someone else could do it, I, I think Bill Murray in his prime could do it. He has that sort of swagger and arrogance about him, and I think he could play it really well. So the original story was written by um, David Rubin, and he actually got the idea from reading um, Interview of a Vampire, or Chronicles uh, Interview of a Vampire, which I think the film actually came out after this. And he got inspired to write um, Groundhog Day because of this. He was fascinated with the idea of someone living the same day over and over again like a vampire would, but, um, you know, for live all, all, live all eternity and basically do the same things all the time. Obviously, you take away the vampire aspect of it. And he showed Harold Ramis this, and he loved the idea. And he fought really hard to kind of make this movie into a comedy aspect, and he got his best friend Bill Murray to star in it. And now, you know, the film is revolutionary. Now, what Harold Ramis didn't expect was uh, when this movie was released, there was the response this film got with religious groups, uh, churches, monks, even scientists. I mean, the film was well-received. It did amazing at the box office. It did amazing at rentals. But the conversations that people were having afterwards pretty much expanded this movie worldwide and why it's actually known as a classic and will stand the test of time. I mean, I mentioned earlier, I, I love they didn't explain why it's happening. We understand what's happening. We don't need to know a scientific or religious breakdown of this. It's just happening. And this is one guy dealing with the situation. And this is what makes the movie pure. It's down to our interpretation. But at the end, we're just happy to be following this journey and to its conclusion too. Now, I was reading um, this like nerd movie magazine, as you do who specializes in going deeper with the details and films, and they sort of, you know, they really do break it down. And in the movie, uh, I believe they show like 42 days depicted in the movie, which is quite interesting, actually, because at the start of the movie, when they do the Groundhog celebrations, the Groundhog predicts six weeks of summer, which is 42 days. So I don't know if that was done on purpose. Anyway, so this nerd magazine, I can't remember the name of it, it suggests that Bill Murray spends eight years, eight months, and 16 days trapped in Groundhog Day. Now, others have said it's longer. Um, one said it was 34 years being one of the predictions, and it was a bunch of scientists who claimed that if you're going to become a master piano player like he does, and he was also a master ice sculptor, amongst the other things he learns and does in the movie, that bats it around the 34-year mark. 34 years reliving the same day. Can you imagine? But this sort of, you know, this sort of... Dem- you know, that's the kind of message this movie is trying to explore, that our lives have become kind of a groundhog day, that we've started living life by pure routine 
and that every day we do the same things and in effect become a bit negative portrayed through the negativity of Phil at the start of the movie. And it's only until he starts doing something for other people or, you know, to better himself does he start becoming happy and maybe understanding why this might have happened to him. I mean, we eat breakfast, we go to work, we come home and we end up doing the same things every day with a few small changes, exactly like the movie. And what the movie is trying to say is that change and discovery is a good thing. And it's possible even in a familiar environment where things happen all the time at the same pace. It's saying that we've we've become custom to live in every day the same and not implementing real change. And it's up to you to finally discover that for yourself. Now, you may laugh at this Scientist magazine and find it quite unrealistic that this movie says that Phil was, uh, Phil was stuck in Groundhog Day for 34 years. But how many years of your life do you live before you start doing something differently, before you gain the knowledge to know when and how to change? And this is only my interpretation of the movie. I mean, it comes down to it comes to no shock, and I mentioned this earlier, that this movie was attracting massive attention from religious groups, monks, Buddhists, economists, even the Royal Navy. And I'll read out a few examples of their interpretations of this movie. And bear in mind, this is intended to be a comedy by Howard Ramis, but he kind of opened a can of worms of this new style of narrative storytelling. So there was a professor of Judaism who said that Connor's actions are specifically geared towards Judaism, citing the fact that his good deeds creates more good deeds as opposed to a place in heaven or state of nirvana. So the movie tells us, as Judaism says, that the work doesn't end until the world has been perfected which is clearly the case when Phil finally wakes up on February 3rd after everything has basically been perfected. So that was quite interesting. And this next one sort of mirrors what I think, and it's that this film is a metaphor for psychoanalysis because we revisit the same stories and keep reliving these same patterns in our lives. And the whole goal of psychoanalysis is to break these patterns of behaviour. And as I mentioned earlier, the military have coined the term now. The military began using the term Groundhog Day as slang in reference to the monotony of the days in um, in their, you know, their, their tours. In 1994, the crew of the USS Saratoga, who had deployed to the Adriatic Sea, nicknamed their post Groundhog Station for this very reason. And I read as well, a priest even came forward and wrote an article after this movie came out and suggested that this town of Puxatoni was purgatory. You know, that he was in a space between heaven and hell, a place where Phil Connors must undergo his own brand of purification in in order to decide the fate of his afterlife. And it doesn't even stop there. We then have a Buddhist believing it's a representation of what they call the Samsara, which is a belief of revival and about the story of a wonderful moment where you can have a rare chance to live the same day, to reach that brink of nirvana. And even people in the financial sector gave their two cents about it as well. It's quite interesting. In economics, uh, the term uh, reliving um, reliving of the day represents what... Uh, economists refer to as a perfectly competitive equilibrium based on perfect information. So basically, with full knowledge of how to realize every possible gain during the day, Connors is able to take advantage of every opportunity for gain. The difference between his first time through the day and his final reliving are dramatic. While this is a well, while this, of course, is only a movie, it does it does perfectly serve to illustrate the wide gulf between the economist's notion of perfectly competitive equilibrium and reality. But yeah, I thought that was all really quite interesting. But, um, you know, and these aren't even all the theories or metaphors or meanings for this movie. It stretches around the block. But with all of that aside, it is simply up to your interpretation. of it. And if you don't think that hard about it, then it's just a really good movie with a really good ending. And it's just a great movie to enjoy. It's a nice movie. 
I'm going to finally talk about Harold Ramis and Bill Murray, the two icons in Hollywood comedy and the two people that put this classic movie together, but with sad repercussions. So they were best friends. They did six movies together, this one being the last one. And Harold Ramis, you may know, is playing Egon in Ghostbusters with Bill Murray. Great film. Um, He then later took the director's chair and collaborated with his good friend Bill Murray in other projects. Um, Harold Ramis was known as the godfather of contemporary comedy. He really, you know, brought a spark to Hollywood in a way no one had done before. You know, he he first did uh, Caddyshack with Bill Murray and later worked with him in the first and second Ghostbusters movie, Meatballs and Stripes, which is hilarious. And then they did Groundhog Day. And it was there that this... This friendship broke. Now, during Groundhog Day, Bill Murray was going through his first divorce at the time and his erratic behaviour was reflecting on his attitude on set. And him and Harold Ramis had these arguments and disagreements about Groundhog and where the movie should go. I mean, long story short, Murray wanted it to be more serious and, um, you know, deep and meaningful. And Ramis was going for pure comedy. He said, look, let's just make a comedy movie. And apparently one day, Ramis grabbed Murray by the shirt collar and threw him against the wall. And after that, Murray didn't speak to Ramis for over 20 years. And Ramis said in an interview about five years later, look, I don't hold Bill Murray responsible for his behaviours on set because what he was going through, I understand what he was going through was horrible. And he said that Bill shouldn't hold his actions personally either. But Bill Murray was quite stubborn and 20 years had passed. This feud denied us any future collaborations between the two, making Groundhog Day their last. You can see how much they loved each other, that friendship that they had in their earlier films, and especially in Ghostbusters, and for the amount of time not to talk, you know, 20 years, it illustrated the depth of their relationships before this happened. Now, Harold Ramis was then diagnosed with autoimmune disease, I think in 2012, I'm not sure when it was, Um, and just before Harold Ramis died um, in 2014, Bill Murray showed up unannounced at his house at 7am with a box of donuts and a police escort. <laughs> An inside joke, I'm sure. And Ramis had pretty much lost his ability to speak by that point, so Murray did most of the talking. They didn't rehash the events from the set of Groundhog Day, choosing instead to sort of hang out for a couple of hours, laugh and make amends. And it was the perfect timing because it wasn't long after that that Harold Ramis died in 2014. Um, Bill Murray tries not to talk about it anymore, but he just praises Harold Ramis as a great collaborator and one of his dearest friends. And he chose not to speak of the feud or what they discussed that one final time when he went to visit him with those box of donuts, but he honoured him. And he honoured him by completely crashing the Oscar Cinematography Award because he was hosting it. And right at the end of um, reading out the five nominees, he added one more name to the list. And he said, oh, I forgot one more name, Harold Ramis. And he everyone just stood up and clapped their hands and he'd recently died that year when he was presenting the oscars and it was met with everyone standing up around a huge round of applause and just admiration and it's very clear that bill really cared for harold ramis i mean life is short and i just think we don't realize that sometimes until someone is going or gone this movie will always remind me of that story um sometimes i like to kick back and watch stripes and ghostbusters and you can see their chemistry when those two are on screen it's amazing i mean they're they're clearly really good friends and they were really good friends they are really good friends but i thought i'd end it on that note because um that's why i think groundhog day um is a really important movie for me because it holds a really nice place in my sort of head and heart because it reminds me 
of that feud they have and they did create a masterpiece somehow but it came with really bad consequences but i'm glad they managed to sort it out anyways that's it for season one on 90s movies i hope you've enjoyed it i'm going to take a little break for a bit and then i'll be back with season two where i'll be doing 80s movies so please follow my updates and general film news on instagram film exploration ah or lowercase or one word so take care look after yourself and thank you for listening to film exploration with ash hurry